guys to drop by. We're doomed. It's a trap. Julie, get us out of here. We would be honored if you would join us. Charming to the dance. This time you have gone too far. I got a bad feeling about this. Hello, what have we here? Red 5 standing by. This is our rescue. You must fear the force around you. I don't know what you're talking about. I am a Jedi. Like my father before me. I like the sound of that. The force will be with you. Always. Welcome to Dead Bath and Spies, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Ryan Daly, and today I'm flying solo. That's right, there's no guest host on this episode, but I promise I will make it up in spades next time. The reason I'm doing this one by myself is because I wanted to talk about something before going to see The Force Awakens, and that is my history with the Star Wars films on the big screen. It occurred to me some months ago that this will be the first time I see a Star Wars movie in a theater outside of Illinois. That's where I grew up, and that's where I lived when all the other movies came out. But a couple of years ago, I moved to Vermont, and here is where I'm going to see The Force Awakens on opening night. One of the benefits of living in a rural New England town on the fringe of civilization is that every once in a blue moon, the antiquated nature of the local movie theater plays into my favor. I'm not especially fond of my theater. It has three screens, they're all small, they're all dark, and the 3D projectors suck. It rarely shows a movie for more than two weeks, and even then they rarely show the films that get nominated for major awards. As often as I can, I travel outside of town if I want to see anything other than a big-budget action or horror movie. And even when I see those, the spectacle isn't that great because, like I said, they're small, dark theaters. But something kind of interesting happened last month. As you know, tickets for Star Wars The Force Awakens went on sale after the premiere of the trailer on October 19th. Thousands of movie theaters sold out in record time as the post-trailer rush caused online ticket sellers to slow to a crawl, even crash. The thing is, the small, inconvenient local theater in my town doesn't sell tickets online. And they didn't have the advanced ticket sale on Monday night. They weren't set up for the advanced tickets until the following Thursday. So... That Thursday, after work, I walked down to the movie theater and asked the old woman in the box office about the tickets. She called her manager because she didn't know how to sell me tickets for a movie that was still two months away. The manager, a kid younger than me, asked how many I wanted. I asked how many were available. He said, all of them. They hadn't sold any yet. Briefly, I considered emptying my bank account and buying every ticket available so I could scalp them on opening night but I decided against this for two reasons. The first, and probably the most important, is that I'm not an asshole. I'm no saint either, but I'm not an asshole, and the concept of buying every seat and making a profit from people's desire to see the film opening night, well, it's a little disgusting to me. That's why I'm not a wealthy businessman or real estate magnate. The second reason I didn't do that is, as I already told you, I live in a small, economically depressed town. There's no guarantee I would make my money back. 
So I bought four tickets for the 7.30 2D showing on Thursday, December 17th, opening night. One ticket for me, one for the wife, and two for my friends. And as luck would have it, while I was doing this, one of those same friends secured tickets to an IMAX 3D showing on the Saturday of opening weekend in a theater about two hours away. So I'll get to see the movie on opening night in a small, dark, pretty lackluster theater in Vermont, but I'll be there. And a few days later, I can see the big IMAX showing where I can enjoy the spectacle without being distracted by story points. And after that, the wife and I will be traveling to Illinois to spend the holiday with my family. That's where my history with Star Wars on screen begins. I was born in 1981. Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back had already come and gone, and even though I was in existence when Return of the Jedi came out in 1983, I was less than two years old. But back then, movies got re-releases in the theaters if they were popular enough, and the Star Wars saga certainly qualifies. That's how Return of the Jedi got to be the first movie I ever saw in the theater. It was re-released either in 1985 or 86. I saw it with my dad and my brother at the Sycamore Theater in Sycamore, Illinois, the town right next to my home of DeKalb. By then, I'd seen Star Wars and Empire. My parents recorded the movies off of HBO. I'd seen them with my family. My brother had the toys, so I knew the stories. I knew the characters. I wasn't surprised that Darth Vader was Luke's father when I saw Return of the Jedi. But boy, was I blown away. This is how I remember it. I accept, however, that it was so long ago and I was so young that I could be wrong. My timeline might be a little off. I know I saw Bambi at a very early age, and I cried when Bambi's mother died and had to leave the theater and never saw the end. Maybe that was my first time at the movies. But I choose to remember Return of the Jedi as my first theatrical experience. In any event, it's the first time I didn't leave in tears. Then, of course, more than a decade passed before Star Wars returned to the movie theaters. The special editions of Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi came out in January, February, and March of 1997, respectively. I saw all three movies at Campus Cinema, which was, at the time, the largest theater in DeKalb. Largest. It had four screens. Then again, Carroll Cinema was the other theater in DeKalb at the time. I think that had four screens, too, but Campus was much bigger. More seats, bigger screens... By the way, shout out to the friends I had freshman year who saw those movies with me, including Drew Holmes, Jerry Schroyer, Jason Barr, and Phil Coover. By the time The Phantom Menace came out in 1999, DeKalb had a newer, bigger, 12-screen cineplex called Market Square Cinema. The theater held an advance ticket sale starting at 12 noon on the Tuesday before The Phantom Menace premiered. I was a junior in high school at the time, but I convinced my mom to let me skip school that day by... I kid you not, comparing the release of Star Wars Episode I to Neil Armstrong walking on the surface of the moon. I am not joking. That was part of my pitch, that my parents had Woodstock and the Kennedy assassination. My generation would have the Star Wars prequels. Yeah. My friend Jerry and I camped out in front of the theater for like seven hours waiting for the tickets to go on sale. At one point, a local news crew showed up. Remember, Jerry and I are 17 years old, maybe, playing hooky from school. So I decided it would be a great idea to do an interview. We were photographed, our picture was in the paper, and Mr. Doherty, my AP U.S. history teacher, asked me if I knew what inconspicuous meant when I went back to school the next day. He heard my interview on the radio and said he enjoyed it. He wasn't crazy about my moon landing comparison, though. Anyway, 
Jerry and I bought a total of 12 tickets for our friends. I think that was the most we were allowed to purchase. And on opening night, I watched The Phantom Menace with Jerry and Drew and former guest Omar and a bunch of other people, most of whom left the theater angry. Angry at the movie and angry at me, like it was all my fault. Like I tricked them or something. I didn't get it. It would be a couple years before I allowed myself to accept that the movie was an awful failure. You probably heard on a recent episode my guest Omar describe the circumstances of how we saw Attack of the Clones in the theater. I was in college at the University of Iowa. The movie came out during finals week. I finished one exam, drove two and a half hours back to DeKalb, and watched the movie with Omar. The next morning, I drove back to Iowa City for my last exam. Which brings us to Revenge of the Sith in 2005, the last time I saw a Star Wars movie in the theater. I saw it with Omar and Drew at the AMC Cantera in Warrenville, Illinois. By the time this movie came around, my attitude toward Episode 1 and 2 had soured drastically. I went to the movie with the feeling that if I didn't love it after the first 30 minutes, the entire prequel trilogy was irrevocably ruined, just a colossal failure. And, well, nothing in the first 30 minutes captured my interest, and everything after that just got worse. The low point of the movie, of the entire franchise, for me, started when Mace Windu and three other Jedi Masters went to arrest Chancellor Palpatine for the crime of being a Sith Lord. Up to this point, the prequels had ruined Darth Vader for me, they'd ruined the droids, they'd ruined Yoda, the whole concept of the Jedi and the Force. Obi-Wan Kenobi wasn't quite ruined, but he was just so boring. The one thing that seemed to escape the first two prequels unblemished was the Emperor until he took out a lightsaber in Revenge of the Sith. The Emperor in Return of the Jedi scoffed at the Jedi weapon. He didn't need it. He was so full of evil he could shoot dark energy from his fingertips. But in Revenge of the Sith, he uses a lightsaber because that was the only kind of fight George Lucas could envision. There's a point where Mace Windu says they've come to arrest Palpatine, and the Chancellor asks, Are you threatening me, Master Jedi? Like... It's not me, right? That dialogue doesn't make sense. Are you threatening me? No, we're arresting you. We just said that. If you feel threatened by that, then that answers your own stupid question. That needed a whole lot of revision. But oh, everything about it was wrong. And then it gets even dumber because Palpatine vaults over his desk in a completely horizontal spinning corkscrew fashion with his lightsaber out like he's a human missile. The special effect is so, so bad in that moment, and before you can blink, this octogenarian has cut down three of the Jedi. A few seconds later, Palpatine resorts to blasting Mace Windu with his Force Lightning, but the power is being deflected back at Palpatine, and his face is melting, and I'm sitting in the theater, and my face has got to be sagging and warping to something every bit as horrible as the Sith Lords, because this is the worst, most borderline offensive thing I have ever witnessed. And then Anakin comes in and cuts Mace Windu's arm off. There's a lot of screaming, a lot of laughing, and a lot of falling, most of it echoing in my head like tornado sirens. And then Anakin falls to his knees and says, What have I done? And my insides start to hurt like I'm having another appendicitis. And then the Emperor pulls up his hood and starts monologuing and naming Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader, Lord of the Sith. This was the moment that all of these movies had been building toward. Anakin's fall, Darth Vader's rise. 
and I started laughing. This scene, this linchpin for the whole movie, the whole saga, maybe, has become so gross, so unrecognizable, so farcical, that I can't hold it together. I start laughing during Palpatine's monologue. I can feel Omar and Drew scooting away from me. I can see the other people in the theater looking at me. I can hear people ten rows behind me whispering, shut up, and somebody asks, what's your problem, pal? And I want to ask them all why they're not laughing too. Why don't they think this is funny? Why am I the only one who realizes that this whole cinematic saga has been one lifelong joke on the fans. It gets uncomfortable. Drew and Omar want me to shut up before people start throwing popcorn in our direction. There's only one thing I can do. I get up and walk out. I forced myself to go to the bathroom. And when I was done, I just sort of wandered around, looking at posters for the other movies playing or coming soon. I... I really didn't care what happened in Revenge of the Sith after that. But eventually, just because they were my ride, I made my way back into the theater after Order 66 was done. I didn't see Anakin killing the kids or the clone troopers turning on the Jedi. I didn't see any of that in the theater. To this day, I've watched more or less Revenge of the Sith three times, And I've never sat through the whole thing uninterrupted. Once it starts, I can't wait to get up and do something else. That was the last Star Wars movie I saw in the theater. A movie so awful, I laughed when the protagonist broke bad. So boring, I went to the bathroom when all the heroes were betrayed and murdered. Is it any wonder I didn't watch another Star Wars movie until 2014? But now, in less than a week, I'm going to see another Star Wars film on the big screen. Not a super big screen. As I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, it's a small theater. But on Saturday, I'll see it on the IMAX. That's big. And after that, when I go home for the holidays, I'm going to return to that theater in Sycamore, Illinois. It's still there, and I've checked it's playing The Force Awakens Christmas week. And I'm going to see it. Maybe I'll go with my family, but if they can't, I will go alone. And I will revisit. I will come full circle. That's the point. Star Wars is back where it belongs. Return of the Jedi was the first movie I ever saw in the theater. And now, 30 years later, I'm going to see its sequel. I don't know, but to me it feels like... Destiny. Feedback for the show can be left on the blog page deadbothandspies.blogspot.com or the Facebook page at facebook.com backslash deadbothandspies. You can also review this show on iTunes, and you can track me down on Twitter at ryandaily01 or the username CountDrunkula. Dead Both and Spies is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or Walt Disney Company, and the views expressed on the show belong solely to the speaker. All music, audio clips, and quoted text are used for entertainment purposes and believed covered under fair use. And since I make no money off this podcast, no copyright infringement is intended. Thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you, always. Always.